Chapter 18 of Vayikra largely deals with forbidden relationships. The chapter begins with the verses that say, I am the Lord your God, Ani Hashem Elokechem. So the Torah says, you shall not imitate, you shall not do what the residents of Mitzrayim did, the land which you formerly dwelt, nor should you do what the residents of Canaan, the present residents of Canaan do. Don't follow in their laws. Rather, at Mishpatai Tasu, keep says God, my my uh, my commands, my laws. Follow my rules, says God. In order, Adam Bahem in verse number five, those rules and statutes and laws that a person may live by. I am God. And the chapter largely then deals with forbidden relationships. Now this chapter, chapter 18 of Ayikra, has a sister chapter, which is chapter 20. Chapter 20 and chapter 18, though not identical, are very similar. They both have a contain a list of forbidden relationships. They include some other things as well that we will deal with when we get to chapter 20. The primary difference between chapter 18 and chapter 20, and this is actually very important from a rabbinic perspective, that chapter 18 gives us largely a list of those things that we should not do. And chapter 20 has many of the same prohibitions, but in chapter 20, it not only says what you shouldn't do, but it says what the punishment will be if you do them. So one might say chapter 18 can be seen as a warning, and chapter 20 as a punishment. The rabbinic tradition presumes, the Talmudic tradition presumes, that for every forbidden act, the Torah gives both a warning not to do it, and includes a punishment if you do do it. Now, sometimes it's hard to see where you have both the warning and the punishment, and that's part of the rabbinic project to, from the text, to pull out both warning, both azharot on one hand, and punishments on the other. This is chapter 18 and 20, and one might say that chapter 18 and 20, these two parallel chapters, parallel but not identical, serve as a frame for chapter 19, which is a very central chapter in the book of Ayikra, perhaps in the Torah, the chapter that begins with Kedoshim to you, uh, that commands us to be holy, and has a whole list of um, commands, prohibitions, many of which relate to human interaction. That's chapter 19, but it's framed by chapter 18 and 20. Now, inside this chapter, in chapter 18, there is a verse... Namely, verse number 25. Verse 24 of chapter 18, Al titamu b'chorele, ki b'chorele nitzmu ha-goyim ha-shani m'shalech b'pneichem. Do not defile yourselves with all of these, all these forbidden relationships, because the nations that came before you have defiled themselves, 
and I sent them away before you. I sent them into exile. So that behavior was the cause of their exile. And then the Torah continues, The land was, became defiled or impure, Tamei, and I held an account for its sinfulness, and the land spit out uh, these uh, residents. And later on, in the very same chapter, uh, after the Torah again says, this is the abhorrent behavior that was done by the former residents, and then the Torah says, the land should not vomit you out. If you defile it, as it vomited out those nations that came before you. In other words, Torah is very democratic here. I banished the nations that came before you because of their behaviors, and I will banish you if you follow their footsteps and behave similarly. Then the land will actually vomit you out. It's an interesting expression, the land vomits you out, as if to say that it's not even so much a punishment. It's that the land can't tolerate this kind of behavior. The land will vomit you out. That's a very important statement. So there's no guarantee. Yes, I promised you a land, provided that you behave in a certain way. And that takes us back, actually, to the very beginnings of the Torah, to the story of the Garden of Eden. And that's exactly the point. That in the Garden of Eden, which is the space that God and the person, the people, occupy together, provided that there is the appropriate behavior. And the misbehavior in that story is the cause of banishment, the cause of exile. And in the Torah, the alternatives to the Garden of Eden, one of which is the land, that too is subject to the same conditions. If you behave, you can stay in the land, stay with me, but if not, the land will banish you, will vomit you out. Now this idea that the behavior actually defiles the land, Tumah here, the Tumah, the defilement, is a function of your behavior. And it's interesting that we have elsewhere in the Torah this idea that your behavior can defile the land. Of course, we have it in the very beginning of the Torah, in the story of Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, where God said to Cain, where's your brother? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says to Cain, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries from the ground. Cold. And therefore, says God in chapter 4 of the Torah, of Genesis, you are cursed from the ground. The ground will no longer yield its produce to you. You'll be a wanderer over the face of the earth. You won't be able to extract the blessing from the ground in a simple way. You'll be forced to wander from place to place. And there you get a sense that human misbehavior actually defiles the earth. And that is true up to the story of Noah. When Noah emerges from the ark, God says, after Noah brought his sacrifice to God, having been delivered from the flood, together with his family and a sample of the animals, etc. And God, it says, smelled the savory offering. And God said, I will no longer curse the earth on account of the human being. For the human being's inclination is evil from its youth. 
the point being there that up to that point, when God created a, a world that's tov, tov ma'od, good, very good, misbehavior actually defiles the earth. Misbehavior taints creation. But in this new creation, the creation of Noah, where the human being is central in the creation, when Noah is a full partner in creation, the expectations are limited from the outset. So human behavior does not automatically taint, taint the earth. And that, I believe, is what God is saying. That's true in general. But the Torah seems to say, in chapter 18 of the book of Ayikra, that may be true in general. But in terms of this particular land where God is present, it's not true. Because this particular place, which in the Torah is the alternative to Eden, it's not Eden, but it's one of the alternatives to Eden, and therefore, this kind of misbehavior, in this particular case, it's forbidden relationships. But in general, human misbehavior can defile the land in the sense the land will vomit you out. You can't share the space with God. Nachmanides, on this verse, in verse 25, talks very famously about the centrality of the land. And Nachmanides points out that the prohibitions that the Torah speaks of in chapter 18 are not prohibitions that are directly related to the land. The mission of the Talmud in general has such a category, mitzvot hatuluyot ba'aretz, lands that are mitzvot that are dependent upon the earth, and they refer primarily to the actual land, to the tithing from the produce, the giving of the truma to the priest, uh, not eating the fruit the first three years, uh, the laws of the sabbatical year and the jubilee year. These are mitzvot hatuyot ba'aretz, among others. That's not what's mentioned in that chapter. So they don't seem to be relevant to the actual physical earth. They seem, says Nachmandis, to be something different, which is standing in God's presence. The land is special in that it's the land that God inhabits and the land that God allows you to inhabit together with God. But the misbehavior, therefore, actually defiles the land. Here in the book of Ayikra, which formerly spoke of sacred space in terms of temple, in terms of Mishkan, Mikdash, Kodesh, here refers actually to the something about the land. It doesn't use the word Kodesh, but it does make that suggestion. There's something about this land, which is God's space. There's something about requiring holiness in order to stand in God's presence.